0: hello 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 you're listening to big easy ideas a podcast that features live recordings from new orleans entrepreneur week and builds connections at the intersection of innovation and culture new orleans entrepreneur week or noe as the locals like to call it is an annual event across the city of new orleans every march and is a celebration of startups innovation entrepreneurship and what's next Learn more and check out ways to get involved at neworleansentrepreneurweek.org or n-o-e-w dot o-r-g. And now, on to today's episode.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Big Easy Ideas, I'm your host for this season, Valeria Lee, Strategic Marketing Associate at the Idea Village. In this episode, you'll have the opportunity to get to know Greg Tillery, the founder and CEO of a local favorite, Weed At Chicken and Shrimp. From starting a food truck to opening his restaurant on the bustling Canal Street in the vibrant city of New Orleans... Greg has successfully scaled from one brick-and-mortar location to multiple restaurants around the region, including a branch within the University of Alabama's campus. Despite the challenges posed by the pandemic, Greg's restaurant not only survived but thrived, leading him to expand his business to include products such as Weed-A-T Seasonings, which are now sold in grocery stores across the Gulf Coast. To kick off this episode, you'll hear Kenny Welcome, Vice President of JP Morgan Bank, introduce Greg, and then they'll dive straight into Greg's entrepreneurial journey, covering topics from starting up, scaling up, and surviving a pandemic. Before we delve into the heart of it, we want to express our gratitude to JP Morgan Chase for being our title sponsor at NOE 2023 and being an amazing strategic partner in bringing this conversation to the NOE stage and now here on. Big easy ideas.
2: First of all, I want to thank everyone in the audience for joining us uh, for this session. Um, Greg, it's an honor to be on this stage with you. We're going to talk about, obviously, how successful you are as a business owner. But most importantly, I want to note just how much of an incredible human being you are, first and foremost. So, again, it's an honor. I'm going to go ahead and get started with your bio. So we have entrepreneur, innovator, visionary, leader. Greg Tiller is the CEO and founder of Weed New Orleans-owned Chicken and Shrimp. Greg is a native of New Orleans and a graduate of Edna Carr High School. He went on to further his education at the prestigious Tuskegee University. After graduating from Tuskegee University with a Bachelor of Sales and Marketing, Greg began his employment in the corporate office of Frito-Lay as a district sales manager. He identified his true passion and entrepreneurial mindset, gaining knowledge and experiences to further advance in his true purpose. After tireless work, steadfast dedication and vigorous commitment Greg has turned one food truck into four full service restaurants with over 50 employees a very successful product line that can be found in hundreds of grocery stores across the country and a legacy that will forever be appreciated and blended with the culture of New Orleans Mr Greg Tillery
3: <laughs> I like that man. <laughs> I like that <laughs> How y'all doing? Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead up? and get started with
2: the rapid fire here. Ask Greg a few questions just to get to know him a little bit better. Let's get it. So we want to know your favorite restaurant in New Orleans.
3: Weed Ed's. Now, it's a few favorites that I have. I like to eat at Maro's. I like to eat at Pralee's. I like to eat at, like to eat at uh, Acme. Houston's Rue Chris, of course, on a Friday night. You know, I support a lot of black-owned businesses when I do East, so. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, favorite festival. <laughs> hey it's a lot of favorites i mean you got to shout them all out i don't know if we're gonna have to go with essence fest i mean but i'm yeah it's coming up but i mean french quarter fest jazz fest i'm from the seventh ward so we used to sit on the porch my on my grandfather's house and just listen to all of the bands and all of the music so i say jazz fest french quarter fest fried chicken fest shout out to my boy cleveland spears who's Spearheading that, so I mean anything that brings the city of New Orleans together, man, I'm all for it. So I love them all, bro. I have to hear that. Yes, sir. Uh, crawfish or oysters? I'm gonna go with the, the oysters. I had oysters last night. Okay. Char grilled though, I can't eat the raw oysters. Okay. Uh, king cake or beignets? Man, I love king cake, dog. <laughs> I love Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras is one of my favorite times of the year, besides Christmas. Wazam wings or lemon pepper? The Wazam wings, for sure, for sure. But you gotta try that garlic parmesan, man. That (laughs) garlic parmesan is off the chain. But the Wazam wings, shout out to my sister, uh, Supercent, uh, who owns the Crayon Case, who's another serial entrepreneur who's doing some amazing things. And that's who I actually named the wings after 10 years ago when, you know, before she did the Crayon Case, just wanted to name it after because she was one of my biggest supporters. So I'm a wing guy. I need to know, flats or drums? You, you know <laughs> you know what bro it's a, it's a debate <laughs> across the world you know so you're, you're a wing guy you're a wing connoisseur like I am I mean I love the flat because I'm just one of them you know the, the drum you got to take your time with it but you know I don't really have a preference man as long as you know it's, it's fried good it's sauced up good you're seasoned good I'm, I'm good to go and football or basketball? Oh, man, you know, <laughs> I mean, everybody know I love the Saints, but everybody know I love the Pelicans more than anything. So, so shout-out to them Pelicans. So
2: that answers the Saints or yeah. Pelicans question,
3: right? <laughs> Now, nah, yeah. but, but but, hey, Cam Jordan, Michael Thomas, you know, I done got a chance to feed a lot of them boys a lot of times. You know, they support me at the restaurant. You know, they come in the restaurant. They DoorDash dash at Uber Eats from the, the restaurants. Uh, shout-out to Demario Davis. We do his... Uh, annual uh community service event that he's been doing uh dealing with the davises for like the last three years now so anything dealing with the city and like i said again bringing people together i'm all for it so you know i want the saints to win when they say who that they say we that you know what i'm saying so you know i'm i'm bold but you know i'm, I'm a season ticket holder for the pelicans and, and it's floor seats at it <laughs> Right, right by the bench. But, you know, it's it's been some great relationships that's been developed with those guys, and I'm very proud of them. Well, I love to hear
2: that, man. So let's go ahead and get into it. So tell us about your journey as an entrepreneur in the
3: restaurant industry. What and who inspired your passion to serve? Like Kenny said, which, I mean, y'all got to understand this guy right here. This is an amazing guy. Me and him have been friends for a very, very long time. But second of all, my journey, Kenny said, I started with Frito-Lay PepsiCo as a whole did a company wide layoff. Um, the short end of it, they didn't lay me off because I was at the bottom of the food chain. I was a district sales manager, but I wasn't making but $56,000 a year. So, you know, all of the people that was really making that top money, you know, PepsiCo as a whole had to cut back was the people that had been there for 20 plus years that helped them build the company. So when that happened and I seen people around me being affected, it was like something that just kind of triggered in my head. Like, this is something I can't depend on somebody else to put food on my table. I wound up investing into a food truck that I knew absolutely zero about, but I just knew that I was good with people. I knew that I love eating i love food i'm a member of cap alpha side fraternity at tuskegee so like when people say well what made you choose wings well we used to go to buffalo wild wings as a fraternity every tuesday just to fellowship and bond so you know i jumped into the food truck game and i really didn't i had no complete idea what i was doing The only cooking that I saw in the kitchen was my mom, my grandma, my grandmother, rest in peace to my grandmother, Paulette Godfrey. We used to call her pudding. Rest in peace to my grandmother and my grandfather who actually served in Vietnam as a cook. So I would just watch them cook from day to day. But you know, I wasn't really interested in in that. I was playing football and then going to Sam's Club every morning, you know, buying Big big Texas cinnamon buns, Capri Suns, and then Frito-Lay, surprisingly, the chips, and then taking them to school and then reselling them throughout the school. So the entrepreneurship has kind of always been, you know, kind of in my blood, but just starting a food truck and getting the support of the city. We used to be at 3801 Tulane Avenue. I see my boy Darren Ogden back there, who was one of the first people to support me way back in the Gap. you know, I used to be out there on the truck not knowing you know, what I was doing, figuring everything out. I mean, you talk about catching flat tires, you talking about head gaskets going out, you talking about fires happening inside the truck, you talking about my engine going out, you talk about my clutch going out, which to be honest with you, when I purchased the truck, I, knew, I didn't even know how to drive a clutch. So thank God for my boy Andre Lewis, My boy, Michael Meredith, I remember catching a flat tire when we was coming from uh, Athens, uh, Alabama, when we purchased it. When I got the truck, I gave the man who owned the truck, I gave him, you know, the cashier's check for however much it was, all the money I had saved up at Frito-Lay, and I got it, and then when we got in it, I go to start the car, and I'm like, man, what is this? I'm like, I don't don't know how to do this. Thank God my boy did. My boy wound up uh, driving the truck, all the way down like i think that sign that say 90 miles to new orleans you know like if you coming back to new orleans you see that 90 miles you're like i'm almost home i just remember like posting pictures on facebook this was before instagram before tiktok this is facebook this is, like 10 years ago This literally 10 years this year i've been doing this right 10 years so uh, thank you <laughs> thank you and I'ma I'm say this too, cause I tell people this all the time. Sometimes it takes 10 years to get that one year that'll change your life. But we literally 90 miles outside of New Orleans and I'm like, I see the truck. I see him going side to side to side. I'm like, man, what's going on? Cause I'm driving behind him in the car. You know, I'm comfortable. He on a truck driving. Cause again, I didn't know how to drive clutch. So then I just see him pull on the side of the road and he pull on the side of the road. And like, he literally, I'm like, man, what's going on? He get out, it's like, we're on a movie man, you ain't read no book, you ain't do no research, you ain't do this, you just, when you wanna do something, you just go ahead on and you just do it. And I just always been like that. It's like if my heart is intuitive, I feel like I can do it, like I'ma do it. You know what I'm saying? So I just remember him just storming off, like he went this way on the interstate, I went that way on the interstate. So I just remember calling my mom and I actually booked it 10 years ago for, for my birthday, it was a birthday present to myself. And I remember my mom just praying for me and saying, I said, Ma, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, I done spent all this money on this food truck and me working at Frito-Lay. I ain't have, it wasn't a lot of money, trust me. But it was a lot of money to me because it's all I had. I was like, I spent all of this money on this food truck. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, me and Dre, I think them got into it. He almost got into an accident. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I just remember my mama just praying over me and just saying, look, everything is going to be OK. Just calm down. And I say, Ma, let me call you back, Dre, coming back this way. He say, man, look, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to teach you how to drive this truck on this interstate because he caught a flat tire. But by it being a double axle truck, it still had one tire on that side that I could drive. So I literally learned how to drive the food truck on the side of the interstate, waiting on the mechanic to come, going back and forth, back and forth. So once the mechanic came, he wound up fixing it. Then Dre was like, look, I got it. We're going to get back to New Orleans. I said, no, I got it. Mm-hmm. So I wound up driving the food truck 90 miles to New Orleans and everywhere else because I'm a firm believer of everything happening exactly the way it's supposed to happen. But then going back to the original question that you, that you asked about the food truck, once we got on Tulane, because I was still working at Frito-Lay while I was on my food truck. Oh, wow. So like Monday through Fridays, I'm at Frito-Lay. So I was running that business along with on Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays and Sundays getting on my food truck. So I was working nonstop until it got to a point where people was just like, man, where you going to be at? Like on Sundays, like after whether it be the second line or it be a club or it be an event, they're like, where you going to be at on Monday, man? I want to come pull up and get some wings. And then it really was put on my mind. So I wound up one day just saying, you know what? Like, I'm just going to take a leap of faith and I'm going to step out. And I just told Frito O'Lay, like, thank you, but no thank you. Like, I'm about to get on this food truck. And I'm going to be honest with you, that was one of the scariest things I've ever done in my life. And then, you know, just with the love and support of the city, and man, by the grace of God, 3801, it was so many hits at that particular location that it was on Google as we that food truck. I knew that it was just time to get a brick and mortar and we can go, go into that when, you know, I had 20, 30 people waiting outside of my food truck waiting to get food. I come from very, very humble beginnings and, you know, that's just kind of the journey from just that food truck to being on Canal Street and then that's a whole nother story. Yeah, uh, how I even got on Canal Street. Yeah.
2: So we're gonna get into that. So let's let's rewind a little bit And let's talk 2020 and COVID. not everyone knows this but you made a very tough decision in march of 2020 to close all of your locations and you actually kept them closed for the remainder of the year can you tell us your reasoning behind that decision how did that impact your business and looking back on that period in time would you have done anything differently
3: i think it's a fantastic question and i don't have a problem with answering it either The sole reason why I closed my restaurants down in 2020 was because of Mayor Cantrell. First of all, I sat on her advisory board with a lot with some other small businesses in the city. And majority of the calls, I really didn't say anything. But I seen a lot of people that was attacking her. And the people that COVID-19 was affecting was people in the African-American community the most. So when they told me the statistics of like 70 to 80% of uh, the African American community was being affected and was being in the hospitals and been putting on ventilators and people passing away, I'm like, look, at that time, I had people in my own family that was working in a restaurant. So I made a financial decision that I just didn't wanna be a part of the problem. And I sat on the phone and listened on these conference calls and listened to people tear into her and go at her about, oh, we gotta open up and we got bills to pay and we got this, we got that, we got this, got that. And I think this is probably one of the only times that I really, really like had something to say because I did a lot of listening was like, look, I got bills to pay too, but I don't want to be a part of the problem. And me keeping my doors open, people coming in and out of my restaurants, me having some of my family members that worked at my restaurants. I'm like, I just didn't want to be a problem. It was a no brainer for me to close my restaurants and that's the reason why I closed them down. Now what people don't understand is is that that financial burden didn't go away because I still had to pay back every landlord their money from the months that I was closed and I was closed for eight months. Which is a first mistake, me saying that I have a landlord because I shouldn't have a landlord, I should own the land. But it was a learning lesson for me And I wound up having to pay back all that money. And that was money, just me digging in my pockets, digging in my pockets, like just paying them back. And I made sure I just paid them all back. So, you know, my sole reason for closing my restaurants is because I care about my city. I care about my people. I care about the community. And I felt like me keeping my doors open, I was going to be adding to the problem. So, you know, I mean, shout out to Mayor Cantrell, like she really saved a lot of lives in this city whether people want to acknowledge it or not. You know, and I'm not up here, I'm not in politics and I'm not doing this, I just support people that care about people. When you put in a position where you gotta make a tough decision like that, especially the year before we was voted the number one tourist destination in the world and then people like, man, I want to go to New Orleans but when you come to New Orleans, it's like a desert, it's a ghost town. I mean, it was very, very tough for me. It was, very, it was very, very difficult for me to do that. But I did it out of the strength and love of my, of, of my city man for the people, straight up.
2: I feel like every other day I'm hearing someone else talk about the price of their groceries increasing, how much their groceries cost. How has this extreme rising cost in food across the country impacted your business? How are you managing the cost and still
3: finding ways and opportunities to expand? I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have not done a price increase since I was on my food truck. I just had to make a price increase two months ago. That's I've 10 ne- years. I, I've never done a price. Like, if you look at old pictures of me on my food truck, you'll see a sign that says five wings for $9. I understood my demographics. I understand the people that was coming in there that was struggling, that was supporting me, that was giving their last. So I didn't never want people to be like, dang bro, why you going up on your prices? It's because I have to go up on my prices because if I don't go up on my prices, then I'm not gonna be here. Yeah, supply chain has went up, this, that, and the third. And we used to get a lot of stuff from other countries and all of this stuff. But I feel like when the pandemic happened, people used that as an opportunity to go up on their prices. So, I mean, I hear them, but I don't hear them. But what I had to do was I had to manage my labor. And if there's any restauranteurs in here, they understand you got to manage your labor. I had to cut back on my food cost. So me carrying certain things on my menu that wasn't as profitable for me. And then like, instead of me getting the Cadillac Fry, like I always want to give the best quality of fries. Like I had to cut down from paying $60 a case on fries to maybe $30 or $40 a case on fries just so I can still get that profit margin that I need to see to be able to pay my energy bill, which my energy bill run me three $4,000 a month. You know, my overhead, I'm on Canal Street, my overhead, you know, to make sure that I'm able every Friday that people, when they check their direct deposit or they waiting for their check, I'm not playing with their money. So it's some, it was some months, man, where I, would, I wouldn't even make a profit, but I make sure all my people are straight. You know what I'm saying? But it's all a learning lesson to me is because I didn't grow up in a family that this was passed down to me. Everything about the restaurant industry, everything about the food truck, everything about the products that we selling in stores now, I had to learn that from the bottom up. And I made a lot of mistakes and I spent a lot of money, unnecessary money, but it's just that's my journey. That's the way he wants it to be like because I always say this all the time man. humble don't stumble. So he'll never let me get too high, never let me get too low. He like to keep me just right in the middle. So. You know, that's the different things and the different ways that I have been able to now see an increase because of the steps and the things that I, you know, had to do to be able to manage food costs, labor, all of that stuff to see the profit that I need. Okay.
2: So I also want everyone to know, uh, because I mentioned in the bio that you don't just run a restaurant. You also have a very successful season and product line, and you're also talking about expanding the franchising. Can you tell us a little bit more
3: about your product line and also talk a little bit more about your partnership with Rouses? For sure, for sure. So before the pandemic happened, when I did shut down the restaurants, I was like, I gotta do something because this is the way I take care of my mama. So it's the way I take care of my family. So I was like, you know what? I'm already in Rouses. I know people are gonna stop eating out and they're gonna start going to the grocery stores. So me having that Frito-Lay background, I'm like, you know what? I need to expand on my product line in Rouse's. So I've been in Rouse's for like the last, this going on four or five years. They have always been a supporter of me, you know? So I started off with two products, which is the garlic Parmesan and the Creole seasoning. And during the pandemic, I mean, I worked harder during the pandemic than I did before the pandemic, because I'm on a call, I'm on a phone 13, 14, 15 hours, like trying to make it happen with manufacturers, with you know label companies, with uh, food scientists just trying to get recipes and all that stuff together. So now we currently, from the pandemic 2020, we, got, we have 16 products in the grocery stores that's on the shelf, from uh, dirty rice, to jambalaya, to gumbo mixes, to beignet mix, to the fish fry that we just dropped, to the Creole seasoning, to the garlic parmesan, to the, to w- the wazam buffalo sauce. It, it was a blessing in disguise. It's been a lot of heartache and pain. there has been a lot of tears shed behind closed doors. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, where I was staying at, the apartment that I stayed at, it was like 700 square feet. And, like, when you work in 13, 14 hours and your window is, like, to the back of, like, a wall and you don't have no sunlight coming in there, feel like you, I was literally in hell you know what I'm saying but it was just grind time it was go time and it's still that way I'm still you come and with at you're gonna see me in the kitchen I don't want to be in the front I don't want to have a long conversation to talk you know which I love people but I got to get these plates out I got to make sure that you know we got a line of people I tell my people every plate every time it's got to be right straight up because people doing their job by supporting us we got to do our job by making sure that everything is correct so so let's talk new projects
2: Tell us about your new location that's under construction on the campus of Alabama University. How did that opportunity come about, and do you see college campuses as a unique target market
3: for you in the future? We that will be going on the University of Alabama's campus. And I'm not talking about on the outskirts of the campus, I'm not talking about down the street from the campus, I'm talking about on the strip of the University of Alabama's campus, which is one of the biggest colleges in the country. That came about because a good friend of mine was Jermichael Green, who plays for the Golden State Warriors right now. Jermichael Green just so happened to go to the University of Alabama. Yeah, the restaurant is looking absolutely amazing. It's literally about 150 feet away from the stadium. So it's like you being at the dome and then you walk in the block to walk-ons, uh, you walk in a block somewhere like that's how close we are uh, to David Busters. Like that's how close we are to the stadium, for sure, for sure. Know that it's gonna and pray that it's gonna open up other opportunities for college universities. My university of Tuskegee University being one of them, which I got a had a, got a, I got a chance to meet with the mayor and the provost of Tuskegee about doing just that. So. I would love to go on LSU campus. I would love to go on Tulanes campus. You know, I would love to be on UNO's campus. I would love to be on Louisiana La Tech campus. I look, I'm putting in the work, I'm grinding, I'm in the trenches, and I'm just letting God do his thing, man.
2: So we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up. All right. Mr. Greg Tillery. You.
0: Thank you for listening to Big Easy Ideas. Big Easy Ideas is produced by The Idea Village, a nonprofit accelerator that supports startups and cultivates entrepreneurial talent in New Orleans and the greater Gulf South region. By visiting ideavillage.org, you can learn more about how to turn your idea into a thriving business and how to turn your business into a high growth startup. You can also learn more about opportunities to invest in startups. Ways to mentor, partner, and support local industry-leading companies. You might also find a job in our region's thriving tech and startup community. The idea is, it takes a village. So visit ideavillage.org to explore how to get involved in the Gulf South's rapidly growing entrepreneurial ecosystem. The music for Big Easy Ideas is by the Young Fellas Brass Band from their new album, Block Party, which is available now on all streaming platforms. You can find the Young Fellas Brass Band on the streets of New Orleans and at their website, youngfellasbrassband.com. That's fellas with a Z, young F E L L A Z F-E-L-L-A-Z-Brassband.com. And of course, we want to give a special thank you to all of the sponsors of New Orleans Entrepreneur Week, in addition to the year-round donors and supporters of the Idea Village, who make this work possible and keep this content accessible to all. And finally, thank you for listening. We can't wait to see you down in the Big Easy. Until next time.